You're listening to the Simon Barnett and James Daniels Afternoons podcast from Newstalk ZB. Chats, laughs and the best calls. This is the Highlight Reel with Simon Barnett and James Daniels. Powered by Newstalk ZB. James has still got a bit of the old gout going on, haven't you, mate? Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but I had a bit of a problem over the weekend. I didn't realise that, well, it was obvious that you don't drink alcohol when you've got gout. I didn't realise that you were supposed to avoid sugar. And so over the last few days... <laughs> Both of those things, James, are doors. Yeah. The thing is that uh, for the swelling in my knee, I was using uh, fruit juice, you know, in their packets as ice packs because we had some fruit juice in the freezer. And uh, it was working really well, beautiful, you know, helping the old swelling. And then I'd eat them. And then it wasn't until I left one of those frujus in its packet on the bench, on the kitchen bench, and it, it all dissolved. Um, it melted, yeah. And I thought, oh, well, I can't put that back in. So I opened it up and sort of sucked on it, and I realised that a fruju is just syrup. That's yeah. all it is, yeah. and it's full of sugar, yeah. which is why I've had gout for longer than usual because oh, yeah. I've been doing that. Isn't he brilliant, folks? James is the only man alive that would blame the fruju and not the fact he got plastered last weekend. <laughs> I overindulge. That's the better word for it. Oh, Thank sorry. you very much. The Highlight Reel with Simon Barnett and James Daniels. News Talk ZB. Let's look at this. A new inquiry is going to investigate and address, I hope, some of the problems with the school property system. This is not the education system itself. Kids failing NCEA or not passing at least in record numbers. Did you see those numbers last night? Yes. Holy. Yeah. Anyway, that's another story. We're talking about physical property. But I think the wider discussion is good. Do we want our schools to be winning architectural design awards? As some are. As some are. Not all, but some. So do we want those beautiful schools or do we want functional schools? Yeah. Just turn up into a boggy old classroom like the old school days of Tom Brown's school days, which is James' argument. <laughs> the weatherboard buildings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And those old <laughs> blimmin' oil heaters in the corner. You'd come into the frost. radiators. The radiators, yeah. You put your hands on them and you wear gloves to thaw out. Right, that's what James wants because that's going to help learning. So let's talk about it. Say it like it's a bad thing. It is. Well, uh, look. Being straight up with you, I don't think there's a text. Oh, there's one text on my side. It says, uh, I'm totally with you, Simon, here. It's not like spending the money on ferries and infrastructure. Um, we'll only get 10 years out of them. Think long-term people. Think long-term. Oh, you're stretching it to think that they're supporting you. But anyway, uh, look, look, I love beautiful. I do. I, I love design. Um, I've wasted a lot of money on nice houses and so on. But this is not a nice house. It is a school, for goodness sake. It should yeah. just be... It, all it needs to be is a box, basically. No, 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 no. I th- you're being antagonistic. No, no, there, I'm not. no, I'm not. A box. Well, how are you going to get children to go? Speaking. No, I think. No, I think everybody it, it agrees with James. Basic. It needs to be basic, is what I'm saying. It doesn't need blimmin' high ceilings with uh, glass all the way to the top. And you go, why does it need to be, look like no, that? I agree. Some of them are pretty overblown. Yeah. But, but. Mm. If you just take your attitude, which a lot of texters seem to be doing, um, you, you, it's just so basic. They're saying it doesn't matter. They could basically learn in an abattoir. No, you've got to have something creative. You've got to have something nice for the kids. Gee whiz, Simon, you're such a lefty woke. What the heck is wrong with you? A learning institution is not going to make you learn any better if it's painted in flowers and bicycles. James is correct. I- I'm not oh, saying but, uh, don't start on the bicycles because I want cycleways to all of these schools. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, oh, that'll lost. burn a few people yeah. off. <laughs> Hello, Peter. Yeah, good day. It's not the fancy building or the square box. It's about the value that they're getting for construction. Mm. 
I'm aware of a school in Auckland has just had three classrooms, what you'd have to say is brought up to healthy home standards. Um, so heat pumps, a bit of new joinery, a lick of paint and some new carpet. Three classrooms apparently cost $500,000. How, how can anyone justify the cost that they're putting on these things? Well, a Judder bar costs 300000 <laughs> so three classrooms for five hundred k doesn't one sound too Judder bad. Bar, one Judder yeah. bar, come on. Do you think there is anything in the idea, though, that a creative space... And it's, and it's absolutely arguable that, you know, the education sector, you want creativity, you want to inspire young people. Do you think if we just give them a box, a modular block, and it is the same every city, every town across New Zealand for anything that's built from here on in, don't you think that's actually going backwards? It's going backwards on based on what we've been doing. Whether we've been going down the right path is a different story. Okay, fair enough, Peter. Thank you very much for calling. The Highlight Reel. Oh, what are you laughing at? I'm laughing at you. Why? Well, James is telling me that I've got to get an adult Happy Meal at McDonald's. <laughs> They've brought these things. You can't. Apparently, they're so popular you can't. You can't even get them at the a moment. A lot of them. A lot of the, uh, the the restaurants have sold out. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, what, what are you laughing at? What though? self-respecting sixty-nine-year-old oh. goes out for dinner and asks for an adult? You literally have to ask because it's the to differentiate from the children's happy meal. You get an adult happy meal, <laughs> yeah. and then James said to me, "This is the bit that got me." He said, "They come with really cool toys. They do." Like, look, <laughs> okay, you'll so, you'll see Roger Fitz. You will see. Okay, sure. Like, okay. I mean, okay, I'm I'm. No, I can't see, actually. But anyway, who wants an adult, specifically an adult Happy Meal for McDonald's? It's not adult like the other use of the term adult, you know what I mean? Yeah. The Highlight Reel. We know that a lot of people are looking for love, and it's what makes the world go round. So anyway, Teresa Gatting has thought, well, if you can't beat him, join him. She's created her own. It's called Compatico. This is definitely not an advertisement, but it's an interesting talkback subject because this is ostensibly for people 40 and above. Mm-hmm. And what makes it stand out from other dating apps is there's a cost involved. And to get the premium end of Compatico, the premium end of the dating site, you have to pay $5,995 a year. But I genuinely think it's worth it. If you are single and you're feeling lonely and you really want to meet somebody, then I think 6 k is worth it. Um, this text here says, I reckon it sounds like a very clever way for women to meet rich men. Actually, that's a point. Yeah. I suppose a man who's prepared to pay $6,000 along with the woman, um, is probably reasonably well off. You're not dealing with, you know, losers. Well, now, the texts are pouring in. Yeah. <laughs> um, listen to this text. Uh, Simon, I have mates that are loaded with cash in their 50s who have stunning girlfriends in their 20s. It's a symbiotic relationship. The girls get bling and experiences. The guys get whatever it says what they, they get. get. what they want. What they want. Yeah. Um, and an arm piece. Young girls often like old guys as they're a safe bet. Hi, James. Uh, well, I've actually done this before. It was in another country, and um, I paid a small fortune for professional dating service. Mm-hmm. And it was worth it. Oh. Now, why was it worth it to you? What happened? So, when I, I don't know if she does it the same way, but I met with this person, and then she ran me through my personality profiled who I am and then matched me up to someone that was similar in that sense and then we, she would like find people based on that and then also keep in mind my needs and their needs so a lot of that complication was removed um, and then at the time I was struggling to find someone that would be in my 
situation as such. Uh, I was very busy. I needed um, something that would work around that. And she found that, essentially. Um, and she made me meet people that I would never have met in my circles. Right. How much did it cost you to go on that website? That was uh, in New Zealand dollars, $1,500, but it would work out yeah, to almost about six to 10000 Right. right. And so that's really good information, James. Thank you for calling up. Anna, hello there. Yeah, I saw a friend of mine mentioned this the other day with Teresa Gatting and Compatico. And um, I don't know that I'd spend $6,000 necessarily, though I do understand there's a cheaper option of about $700, but yep. you don't get as many bells and whistles. That's correct. Are you single, Anna? Yes, I am. Mm. You were talking about the text from the younger woman who only dated uh, financially guys. secure or older guys, yeah. and um, it works both ways. Like I've, I have been approached um, many times by men who are clearly much younger, and I believe it is a real thing now, um, much more common than it used to be. Where, yeah, a lot of younger guys are looking for um, financially secure partners, female partners. The other comment I would make is I do know other women who have um, got together in relationships with older guys with money and I think often the the love and the companionship and those relationship benefits do come but the initial attraction is certainly the money and the financial security. Very interesting talking to you, Anna. Thank you very much and good luck. Hi, Simon and James. As a guy in his 40s who does okay for himself financially, the dating game is really difficult. I find you either get women, younger women, with daddy issues or older women with more baggage than Heathrow. (laughs) Says, says Isaac. The highlight reel. A lot of people talking about this news hub announcement. Um, yeah. That's big news. Big, big news, actually. Well, Sad liter- news literally. for a lot of people. It will be, literally. Up to 350 people work at Warner Brothers Discovery in New Zealand. About 200 of those 350 understood to be devoted entirely to news. So they're suggesting a slim-down company might see maybe 50 staff retained. Uh, one source has suggested, so 50 from 350 is pretty significant. Well, the thing is that they'll retain three, the channel, yeah. and its various platforms, and uh, they won't need a lot of people because they're just buying in stuff and, and scheduling it. Yep. And we've just sort of been discussing the ramifications of it without any glee at all because no. it's significant for news in this country and just for the people of New Zealand. You know, yeah. you, if you lose, if it does come to pass and you lose a major news kind of outlet, Source. That's a big, that's mm. a very big deal. But if you're Discovery and you've got an outfit that's losing money hand over fist, it's yeah. all about numbers for the Americans. Yeah, well, it's a business. It's a business. And James and I were just chatting, when's the last time you actually watched live television? Well, for me, years ago, literally years ago, I do not watch live television. I'll record it and watch it or I'll go to the on-demand um platforms mm. and look at it that way um yeah i just i don't want to be bound to the to, to the tv at say six o'clock mm. to watch the news whether it be one or three yeah, mm, yeah no nah, nah, i'm busy then they've got a problem hello david channel three it had to go and channel one i'm afraid will not be far behind it because um i i worked on newspapers for 20 30 years in the uk mm. and it's just a current affair program. There's no news. I've got BBC and Al Jazeera and CNN and all them, and you get news as it's happening and whatever you want. 
and you put Channel 3 on, Channel 1 on, and it's Belfast builds new scout hut. You mm, know, yeah. and the, the world is falling to bits in a handcart, mm. and there's nothing ever on properly mm. that, that really is news. Mm. I don't want current affairs at 6 o'clock. I like good, solid news, mate. Mm. That's why I listen to News Talk ZB. Mm. Well, <laughs> nice. good, good on you. Nice. David, so what do you, what yeah, what do, do, you, you do, do at six? six? Yeah. What do I do at six? Mm. I, uh, I'll watch uh, BBC because right. that's on 24-7, Al Jazeera, or I'll make tea for my wife and she can put her feet up. Mm. David, thank you very much for coming on the show. Good afternoon to you. Thank you very much, boys. Thanks. Thanks, David. Hi there, Mike. Yeah, g'day, boys. Hey, look, I think it's been said a thousand times, whoever's owned that station, is that they can't compete commercially with a state-funded broadcaster. And so, you know, like the only news... Like, I've been back in New Zealand for two months, just short term. I usually reside in Queensland. We've got a lot more choice over there in news, but there... I guess that's why I, I will only listen to ZB here in New Zealand because they there's balance. It's the only thing I can say that has any balance. Everything else seems to have this crazy bias, every, every outlet, and it's so frustrating to come back here. It's just that strong left-wing bias, and, and it just drives you mad. If you've got half a brain in your head, you can't watch it. You go on a holiday at the Gold Coast, look on Channel 9, watch the news from 6 till 7, I think you'd be delighted, and, and you come away actually knowing something new or learning something rather than, you know, groaning the whole time. And that's one of the reasons I reckon the live component of TV's gone down, because, you see, I, I, I never watch the news live, Mike, at all, always record it through my skybox, mm. and then any stories I can't be bothered with I just fast forward yep. so my news bulletin is probably condensed down to around about on average 15 minutes a night um, for I was that, gonna say, that mm. that's a that's a high amount I would have thought I could get the TV I could get the news <laughs> down here in three minutes and I'd rather know just what's happening at Harvey Norman this week before I go and buy. <laughs> yeah. Mike thank you very much and for calling the countdown open yet <laughs> the highlight reel with Cyan James the Highlight Reel with Cyan James. Would you go back to the Countdown supermarket that had rats and mice? Um, not if there's one, another alternative. Yeah, I'm not no. sure. I'm convinced that that's... You know, they just Mind you, another, as, as, no. as I said when this first blew up, uh, you'll find that there are mice and rats around all all round businesses, including other supermarkets. Yeah, but not poking them heads no, out, I'm, looking no, at the specials. Except that. I those those that, photos I, they keep showing on the news with those two <laughs> rats are coming out there like they're looking at the groceries going, my goodness, the cost of living's got expensive. Frank, don't you reckon? The best moments from the week. This is the Highlight Reel with Simon Barnett and James Daniels, powered by News Talk ZB. Richard Preble's got an interesting story in the Herald and one of the components of the story is talking about how vital a driver's license is to getting young people into jobs. And it starts off posing the question, is the way to lift people out of poverty to redistribute wealth or is it to have a strong economy? Of course, Labour would argue that it's to redistribute. Yeah. And National Christopher Luxon and his team would argue that having a strong economy is the best way. So that's where we're at. I didn't realise how many people don't have their driver's yeah, licences. Me neither. Yeah. And how hard it is for some people to get driver's licences, that's what's really interesting as well. G'day, Wendy. Hello. How important is it for somebody to have their licence in getting a job? It is incredibly important. Um, and government's figures themselves show that 70% of jobs, of, of all jobs, 
and 85% of entry-level jobs um, require a licence as a prerequisite. Mm. Are you involved somehow with getting people licences? So um, I run the Driving Change Network and um, we represent um, community um, driving educators around New Zealand um, like the Howard League. Right. Um, so there are people like the Howard, we've got around about 300 providers nationwide working with people who have barriers to getting a licence on their own. Because um, let's face it, a lot of people can't afford driving lessons. Mm. Uh, they may not have a car. Uh, they may have parents who are both working full-time and don't have the time to teach them. So there's a lot of reasons why people don't get a, a job. And we know that you know half of the people on Job Seekers don't have a licence and they can't get a job because they need it, of course, as a prerequisite. Yeah. Obviously, there's something wrong with our system that all of these people are struggling and need help to get a licence. Does the taxpayer pay for any of, these, any of your work? No. No, okay. not at all. Right. No. So, so why is it so expensive, Wendy? I keep coming back to that. I mean, that seems like a lot of money for one person to pass one driver's licence, $840. Okay, so that's probably just one phase of the licence because we, we estimate that it's closer to $2,000 to go from no licence to a full licence, wow. which is what you really want. Um, mm. That way you know you've got a safe driver on the road. Yeah. But the reason it'll be more expensive is that we're working with people who don't have a car at home or they can't afford a driving instructor. They have nobody at home who can help them with those practice hours. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's recommended that you have 100 to 120 hours practice time before you get your restricted license. If you've got no one to help you with that and you need to have a fully licensed driver in the car with you so you can practice, then... Um, then that has to be paid for. So that's why this cost is um, more expensive. Shouldn't it be free for job seekers? I mean, that's what I'm arguing. I'm getting a bit of a slang on the text machine, but my argument is if you get a person off the job seekers, so what is that, 300 bucks a week, give or take, if you get them off that and then they get a meaningful job and they're earning and contributing to the tax coffers, it, they're winning it. We, as the citizens, are winning at both ends. Totally. Wendy, thank you very yeah, much. Good on you. Guys, I call BS on those numbers. These people should just get a bike. If you can't afford a licence, how can you afford a car? Well, they may not be able to afford a car. The car they need is for the work. It won't be their yeah, car. It's not just the transport to and from. Yeah. Although, um, also when you say, why don't you just get a bike, depends how far you live away from your work. It's not that easy. Chats, laughs and the best calls. This is the Highlight Reel with Simon Barnett and James Daniels. Powered by Newstalk ZB. Last Friday, in Dunedin at Bunnings Warehouse, some customers noticed a worker um, had a clock around his neck. He was wearing like a sort of a, almost a gimmicky clock around his neck like a Like, like the a old sign. pocket watch. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But a big one. And, you know, a few people said, what's that about? And it turns out the young worker was late to work quite regularly, and so the staff thought it would be kind of funny that worked there. The bosses and that said, let's get him to wear a clock around his neck, i.e., you know, like a dunce cap. This guy can't stay on time. But Bunnings said it was all just good-natured. says, creating a safe and welcoming environment for our team and customers is really important to us. We understand some customers observed an interaction between our team uh, in response to a team member who was late to their shift. The intention was good-natured, no concerns were raised. We've engaged the team to discuss how the situation may have been handled better. Mm -hmm. And I see First Union have chimed in, Rudd Hughes, and he says, look, if you're being bullied or hassled at work by a manager, you should speak to the person above them rather than confronting your manager yourself. 
So my question is, is that bullying or is that just good-natured banter in the workplace? Well, you think it's banter? Yeah. Right. Hello, Damien. G'day, guys. Um, this is bullying, full stop. All right? Um, I've been bullied, all right? Um, and for Simon, everybody has feelings. And if somebody puts something around my neck saying that this is because you're late, there's better ways of saying to them, hey, you're late for work all the time. And the best way of dealing with that is to take them into a meeting room or a place of private and say, hey, this can't happen. You've got a job to do. You have to be on time. You have a shift to do. The best way to do it is say, if it happens again, then we may need to take some formal sort of action on it. But putting putting something around somebody's neck, no, that's bullying. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon. Hang on, I'll stop the car. Oh, good on you. Good man, that boy. <laughs> Every single joke that is told in life is at somebody's expense. Yes. And if you can't turn around and grow some, get a backbone and get on with life and get over it, you just go back into your cave. That's where you belong. You don't have to get so precious with all this PCBS that's out there today. Mike, those are buzzwords, PCBS. BS and all that sort of stuff. No, good I mean, on you, Mike. The, the reality is that this person could have been humiliated. Uh, have you or been? Have you ever been job. humiliated? Yep. Was it fun? I got on with life, took it as it came, and you move on. You don't have to be precious. Bringing you the best of the week. You're listening to the highlight reel with Simon Barnett and James Daniels, powered by News Talk ZB. You might have seen the stats out about our drinking in New Zealand. We've always been a nation of binge drinkers. We've always drunk a heap. We still drink quite a bit, but it really has fallen off the wagon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good. (laughs) Beers down by 13 million litres. Alcohol and wine consumption down by 2.4 million litres. Spirits down by 6 million litres. We're drinking less. And on the flip side, the zero alcohol options, they have gone up. And, and I'm not surprised about that. Uh, like, I drink um, zero, zero beers. Do you? Yeah. So I guess our question is, are the alcohol companies right? Is this due to cost of living pressures? Is this due to the economy? Or is there something larger at play? And maybe this country, among others around the world, yeah. where it's dropping, yeah. we've turned the corner in terms of our drinking. Love your thoughts. Hi, Neil. I'm in my early 60s, um, so come from a generation that uh, heavy drinking, you know, smoking weed, various other substances was all part of growing up through in our 20s and 30s and some even the 40s and 50s. Mm. I've lost three guys, three friends from excessive alcohol and other substance consumption. I've had another friend who had a heart attack. He's in his late 50s. He now doesn't drink any alcohol at all. He's got grandkids and he decided, look, Come from coming from a heavy drinking background, that's it. So mm. he's dropped about twenty kgs. He's looking after his health a lot, a lot mm. more. Mm. Um, for myself, it's a health thing. You get older, and you find that the effects of alcohol take a lot longer to to get over. Yeah. So, and I also find the less you drink in this age group, the less you want to drink, and the less you have that. You know, you don't have that horrible feeling afterwards of. You know how you've had maybe one too many, you wake up the next day and it's like, ugh. It's called a hangover, Neil. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't yeah. have had that, you know. So for me, um, yeah, I've just cut right back on on drinking. I still you know, I still like the occasional drink, but I, I'm so thankful that I'm not one of the people 
who have that gene where they can't stop drinking once they've started. Mm. You know, I might have three or four Honikins or three or four Coronas, and that's it. Mm. Um, I like exercising. I've always stayed fit. And I finally bought a bike after so many years, and man, that's a natural high. <laughs> this text says, hi, Simon and James. This is a great discussion. I used to drink like a fish. Now I can't stand drinking. I don't even miss the buzz that you talked about. Uh, for me, my health is infinitely better. I feel better every single day. I can look at people with a clear head, and I used to get hammered a lot. The highlight reel. The Prime Minister was revealed Christopher Luxon will receive a $52,000 top-up to his reasonably a good salary, $471,000. He's got this top-up because he is entitled to live in Premier House, where past Prime Ministers have lived, and that's, of course, free to us all. But he, that is Christopher Luxon, chooses not to live there. He lives in his own apartment. And so he's entitled, it's completely legitimate to claim this 52000 but it has caused the ire of a lot of people. They're saying, what a... It's basically taking the mickey of the system. The optics of this are really poor. They say mm. that he shouldn't take the $52,000 top up. What do you think? I say, look, he's entitled to it. However, if he was thinking about it politically, it would have been good for him to say, hey, look, I'm entitled to that, but I'm not going to take it. Hi, Trish. It is an entitlement, but he doesn't need it. Right. So I take it, especially when his government are bringing in policies and going to cut benefits, interfering with Maori health authorities. I mean, the list goes on. Hi, Andy. Morally, I think it's wrong. Yes, he's entitled to it. But considering that he's asked for uh, cutbacks in government departments and everywhere else, then this is not a good look from him. And I'm, I'm a fan of Chris Lutton. And it's morally wrong. G'day, Greg. What I'm struggling with is all these people ringing up and saying it's morally wrong. Just I'm with because you. you disagree with it doesn't make it morally wrong. While government house is not in a state to live in, surely he can take it, but when it is in a state to live in, then we can criticise what he's doing. Hello, Troy. Where's your conscience? Where's the guy's conscience? Seriously, like, uh, I just think it's so wrong. I really think it's just appalling. You've been in government for... You know, five minutes and then you're on the take and we're in in the middle of a financial crisis and people are struggling to bloody pay bills and put food on the table. Jay, hello there. G'day, mate. It's not morally wrong. He's entitled to it. It's it's a job. So if you've been made a job offer, regardless, public or private sector, a job offer is a job offer. Now, with those comes entitlement. Yes, he would have got brownie points if he had said, no, I'm not going to take it. However, he's entitled to it. The Highlight Reel with Simon Barnett and James Daniels. Available worldwide on iHeartRadio. Quite funny, Mike Hosking the other day was talking about, you know, trying to find a service station, a servo that sold 98 fuel. And then there was all these sort of suggestions that 98 was really only 91 and they put a few additives in it. It's all no, a, no it's, to be fair, 95, I think. They, they oh were saying it's 95 with a wee bit of um, methyl, benzene, <laughs> methyl exactly. benzene put well, in there. Well, some said 91. The fuel okay. things, I find it fascinating because I have told you before, I've heard that 91 fuel is, and this is from an, a technician who said it's just rubbish fuel and he wouldn't put oh, it yeah. in anything more than his lawnmower. Yep, yep. Is 98 a have? Or is it worth the extra dough? And who the heck uses it anyway? Hello, Alex. Look, it is. Um, I'm not your Mike Hosking Ferrari driver. I'm just a Volkswagen driver. I work in town, so using the gas fiat, you can find where 98 is pretty easily. Yeah. But it's um, 95, it's 500 k's a tank, or 98, maybe about 575 k's, driving it, uh, driving it politely. And, uh, and, and well worth it. Okay, so you, you think it's worth it for you to get the 98? Yep, look, it's a, it's a 
because it's got other benefits for the engine. I take it on board and, and, and go with that by the actual economy. It's, uh, it's better on the 98. And with the gas app, um, it's pretty easy to find, unless, of course, you're bike up in the Matacana driving the Ferrari. For more from Simon Barnett and James Daniels Afternoons, listen live to News Talk ZB or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.